This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Wow, time flies when you are having fun. This is AMI Audio Live. We are celebrating CNIB's 100th anniversary in the atrium of the Canadian War Museum. One of the places that deserves a special thank you for hosting this event tonight and letting us crash the party as well. If you are ever in the National Capital Region, I highly, highly recommend a visit to the Canadian War Museum. It is certainly worth your time. I'm Dave Brown, alongside Jesse Archambault, my colleague from AMI-Tele. She is co-hosting this AMI-Audio Live event with me tonight. The party just keeps on going, though, and uh, Jesse, we've talked about money, we've talked to power brokers, we've talked to members of the community, we've talked to artists, but there are also puppies in the house. There are puppies. And I am indeed a dog lover. So, Andrew Hamlin is the program manager of the new CNIB Guide Dogs program. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dave. Very nice to be here. So, why are the CNIB Guide Dogs important in this new program? Well, to be honest with you, Jesse, we've uh, started this program, we just launched it in April. And it's going very, very well. And the idea behind it is to give Canadians, blind Canadians, uh, more choice. And so it's absolutely vital uh, that we get these dogs out, we get them trained, and we get them out to the people that need them the most. Uh, it's going to create independent travel. It's going to create safety for people. It's going to help uh, get rid of the stigma of what it is to be blind and partially sighted in Canada. And that, to me, is one of the most important parts. So I want to see dogs out there working. I want to see blind, partially sighted Canadians, particularly young people, getting out and getting work uh, and fulfilling the dreams. That's what I'm looking for. So the program we know, it's, it's, not, it's not easy to train guide dogs. It's not easy to pair guide dogs with individuals. So how does the program work? What, what is sort of the process you guys undertake for getting people paired and matched and dogs trained? Okay, so the dogs come in to us at eight weeks old. We put those dogs, I'm going to tell you this briefly because I can talk about guide dogs all day and night. <laughs> so we put those puppies out with uh, puppy raising families. They'll keep those puppies up to around about 15 months old. Those dogs then will come in for the formal training with a GDMI, Guide Dog Mobility Instructor, or a Guide Dog Trainer. GDMI's trainers will have those dogs for around about four to six months, and that's when the formal training starts. At the end of that period, uh, we start matching those dogs to a blind, partially sighted client. And for, for me, that's probably the most important part of my job, that matching process. And we'd be looking at things that... What kind of environment are you going to be working as a blind person? Are you working, using public transport? How big are you, how tall, how small, whatever it might be. So there's dozens and dozens of factors that we have to take into account uh, and get that dog absolutely right. And normally, we, we do get it right. Occasionally, it can go wrong. And if it does, you know, someone has just uh, spent a lot of time working a dog and it's gone wrong. More importantly, a client has now, is now disappointed that match didn't work for them. They've taken time off work, taken time away from home, and it didn't work. So it's, uh, it's, it's a horrendous thing when that happens. But thankfully, it, it's very rare for that to happen. And sometimes, do you get to have fun with the puppies? Oh, cranky, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you actually get to Absolutely. spend time with them? <laughs> well, you have a look around here tonight. This is a fabulous venue. Tons of people here all having a good time. Just look at the puppies. They're having a blast. They're enjoying themselves. Puppy raising families are... The most important thing is socialising these dogs for us, and that should be fun. Uh, and the same when the client comes on class. It can be a scary time, but it should be a lot of fun. 
Now, you can't learn anything if you're frightened. Same as the puppies. They've got to have a lot of fun. That way they'll take in the information and they'll train and will go easier. So, yeah, very important. Are there particular breeds that you're uh, looking for or individual uh, kind of... Or are you doing your own breeding? Sorry, I, I'm so curious. I just love <laughs> dogs so much and I love the whole process. Not a problem. Uh, we, we will be using Labradors, uh, Labrador Retrievers, Golden Retrievers and crosses of those two breeds. If you looked around the world, there's very few breeds that haven't been used. But the Labradors, Golden Retrievers, they're the breeds that do well. They're the breeds that most schools around the world will use. Uh, so that's what we're going to be using. And so far... Uh, the young dogs that we've got, you know, the eldest to 12 months old, absolutely superb. I am thrilled to bits. Uh, so, yeah, so far it's going very well. Speaking of thrilling, it is really cool and very neat to see CNIB becoming involved in this because oftentimes it had been third parties or other individuals doing this. What's the importance of that continuity of the CNIB being involved in the guide dog process? Well, it's, it's absolutely vital. I mean, to be honest with you, if you look at the biggest reason why people are, are, are not able to get a dog, it's because they're not mobile. They haven't got the roots that they need. So with CNIB, if someone comes to me and they can't have a dog because they haven't got the roots, I can fast-track that through the uh, orientation mobility office that we have. 45 offices, I think, or 50 offices across the country. We can get people fast-tracked, get them mobile, get them on roots, get them trained with the dog. So to have all the services within Absolutely. one banner can just accelerate. Can't beat it, can you? I mean, yeah. to be honest, you know, we haven't got to go and ask somebody else to do a job for us. We can do it all. Yeah. And it's going to be a one-stop shop, really. If there's a problem, we've got people across the country who can come out and help you with the problem. Well, Andrew, we really appreciate you taking time to tell us about the program. And uh, hopefully when the broadcast is done, the puppies don't get packed away. Hopefully I can get a little snuggle in there before it's all said and done. I'll make sure you do, Dave. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks so much, Jess. It's nice Thank to you. meet you both. Thanks That's a lot. awesome. Andrew Hamlin, he's the program manager for the CNIB Guide Dogs program. Just a new, brand new program. See, the CNIB, it's always growing. It's always evolving. We celebrate and remember 100 years, but we know there's so much more coming down the pipeline. And one of those things that comes down the pipeline is technology. We know how critical technology is. John Rafferty and I today spent what must have been 20 minutes talking about how critical technology is. And that is largely in part due to the work of individuals who are partnering up on technology. So right now we have Dwayne Morgan is the executive director of Ontario East. And we also have uh, Rob Nevin, who's uh, involved with Blind Square. Gentlemen, welcome to the table. We really appreciate you guys uh, being a part of the show. Uh, thanks for having us, Dave. Yeah, nice to be here with Dwayne. Yeah, sorry, Rob. <laughs> so I have to be a dummy for a second because, as I've mentioned on my show about a million times, I am a Luddite. Uh, I can barely get Spotify to stream on my phone. So well, I don't even have Spotify. So, okay, so, so just you're we're always, rookies here. You're always technology. trying to one-up me, Jesse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so what, what is Blind Square? Blind Square is the, the world's most popular waypoint navigation solution for people who are blind. We're coming up on our six-year anniversary in May this year. And in, in essence, uh, it, it takes GPS technology outdoors and uh, provides the information about where you are, what are my choices from here, um, what are features that may be interested in real or, or um, by simulation. Uh, planning a future trip to a, a remote destination gives you a chance to see what's, what's there before you, uh, before you arrive. That's what it does outdoors. Indoors which is a, a new frontier for us three years ago, allows a seamless transition of travel from outdoors supported with GPS to indoors supported by Beacon and other technologies to ensure that the, the continuation of travel is available, that the darkness otherwise present when you move indoors is pushed back by in, uh, information, the illumination of information. 
Yeah, I think I was explaining to Rob earlier. I was I use it all the time, like to find my mailbox and things like that. You know, so there's there's a lot of information that you can get, and really, um, if implemented correctly, all of those. Uh, signage that people that are sighted see throughout uh, buildings and, and in the exterior community, uh, people with sight loss can now uh, access that information as well. Blind Square is in 160 countries, so we got some really fun, fun stories about people creating personal points of interest. One that comes to mind is from a, uh, a gentleman in Florida who created a personal point of interest in the ocean over his favorite fishing pool. So, so it's private to him. He does precise. not share that with anyone else, but it takes him back to where he caught the big one last time. I'll use that when I go back to Newfoundland. I think it's what I'll do. There you go. <laughs> Jesse, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Um, so uh, why are you here tonight? Oh, I'm here to celebrate. You're here to celebrate? <laughs> I'm here uh, yeah, to celebrate. I think we're all years. here. Yeah, definitely we're all here to celebrate. But, you know, uh, we heard from our um, national board chair, Ron Kuzniski, earlier, and he talked about, you know, it's great to celebrate the past, but we have such a bright future ahead of us. And certainly, as you look at uh, helping people um, achieve more inclusion uh, in our community, uh, we have to look at things like uh, access to employment and becoming more employability. But uh, the big key to success in all of those areas will be uh, technology, and uh, that's been a real game changer. Whether it's uh, accessible technology that's been introduced into the mainstream, we all know now with uh, smartphones, um, you know, iPads, tablets, things like that, we can we can now have all kinds of ha- apps that do things. Uh, that, that previously we you know we, we struggle with. You can identify objects, identify colors, uh, read, read texts. Uh, funny story. I actually use uh, an app to flip a coin for the first time in my life. That was something I could never do. <laughs> so, so it's just amazing, right? So uh, yeah, and, and you know we've had uh, um, more access to more affordable braille display devices. Uh, yeah. So and, and we're just touching the tip of the iceberg now. When we look at things like blind square and how that. That's been a game changer for navigating our environment, and, and we know that that's going to continue to grow. And, and Rob and I have been talking about exciting adventures uh, to come up, and, and we, we just can't wait to get, get moving forward with everything in the future. Concerning the support of uh, employment, we see our role as being quite important in that respect because people need to go from home to their employer and back again with confidence again and again. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. We, we know that navigation, orientation, mobility is kind of the pillar. I and mean, when you can put that with technology and you pair it together, you really allow the opportunities for freedom, yes. right? You, you eliminate dependences on other individuals and other, on other kind of guides. You can really let yourself, your personality flourish. Gentlemen, we've only got a couple of minutes left here, but I've got kind of a big question, and I think you guys both kind of alluded to it before. <laughs> What's the importance of building partnerships for the CNIB and even for organizations like Blind Square when it comes to moving forward and putting tools in people's hands? Do you want to start? Oh, sure. I, I mean, you know, it, you can't do anything as an island on your own, and, and it's certainly having these partnerships, we work together to, to achieve uh, the the what was thought to be the unachievable for people. And, uh, you know, Rob can, can expand a little bit more on him being uh, from, uh, from the tech world and talking about partnering with CNIB. But, you know, as we, as we partner with, with other organizations, whether it's tech organizations or community organizations, it just gives us a further reach and, and, and just really helps us build that, that great new future for people uh, with sight loss. One, one unique truth about BlindScore is you could say that it's a waypoint navigation. We can tell where you are and tell what's around you, and that's true. But the other piece is that we federate all other products. So if uh, you are at a certain location and you say, well, I've, I've changed my mind, I want a new adventure, um, call an Uber car. So we integrate into that and That's right. that through a partnership. We, we do that in uh, 
transit operations, rail operations, air operations, to uh, work with people who are smarter than we are in their specific niche. Far be it for us to say that we're capable of scheduling cars as Uber does, so we just make friends with them and uh, do, do the clever parts about connecting the dots. Yeah, there's no need in uh, reinventing the wheel all the time if it's already out there, and partnerships find can the, help us do that. Find the best people out there and partner with them. Yep. Seems to me, Dave, uh, that tonight, yes, we're celebrating the 100th anniversary, but we've been talking more about what's coming up the next 100 years <laughs> with technology and everything. <laughs> we, we just have to get Dave on board with doing some of that. So. Well, I just got word coming down that uh, the second stage presentation is going to be delayed by a minute or two here. So, you know what? I, I claimed I was going to be, it was our last question, but Jesse, you know what? I'm going to throw another one at him. I'm going to throw curveballs at these, at, these, at these fine gentlemen. No, we've already said our last answer. <laughs> oh, no. I've got to fill time the rest <laughs> of the way. Dwayne. Uh, we asked a couple questions about a few different individuals tonight about being members of the community along with being not just clients of the CNIB, but being part of the decision-making process of the CNIB. How important is it that representation continues to be at the core of the individuals who are making decisions inside the CNIB? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, having sight loss uh, gives you a different perspective. I, I think that you know, we can have a, um, a collective of people. You can have people with sight loss, but also sighted people make those decisions. But you need to be able to engage uh, the people you're serving to make those decisions. You need to have that as, as a central uh, part of what, what your decision-making uh, is. And, you know, I always like to say, keep, keep the person in the room. Keep the consumer in the room. Keep the person with sight loss in the room, no matter what you're talking about, whether that's sort of uh, virtually or, or, you know, literally having people in the room. So it has to be at the core of everything we do. Rob, 20 seconds or less. Where can people find out more information about BlindSquare? Um, BlindSquare.com. That was as way easy less. As that. Yeah. That was way less than 20 seconds. That was Rob, good. BlindSquare.com. BlindSquare.com. Rob sometimes has these very short answers, and then other times he's got these very long answers about things. Hey, so. when you say it three times, it's an old trick in radio advertising. That's how you get it in people's minds. Hey, guys, thank you so much for dropping by. Thank enjoy you. the party tonight. And uh, I guess we're almost getting close to the end of the wrap up of the party. So enjoy the tail end of the party. And uh, we'll hopefully catch up with both you guys on the air sometime soon. Thank you, Dave. Certainly. Thank Rob you Nevin, so much. he's with uh, BlindSquare, and Dwayne Morgan is the executive director of the CNIB in Ontario East. This is AM Audio, Audio Live. I am Dave Brown sitting alongside my co-host Jesse Archambault, a presenter for AMI Tele, our French, our French language sister television station. Of course, you should be checking out AMI Tele. You should be downloading their app along with the Accessible Media app. Come on, go do it. This is, this is AMI Audio Live. We are going to take a very short break. When we come back, we are going to be throwing back onto the stage for a very special stage presentation. As mentioned, I'm Dave Brown. She's Jesse Archambault. You're at home or on the road or you're just listening. What to say you're listening and we'll be right back. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. 
Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. I'm Margaret Shepherd of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.